opportunity we have to be gathered tonight. Pray that you'd help us. I pray that you would guide us tonight. We need you. We need your help. And I pray all that's said and done would bring you honor and bring you glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. We're going to grab our notes. Anyone need a copy of the notes tonight? Anyone need a copy? Everyone got what they need? Everyone good to go? Bob needs one right here. And so I think Mona's got it before you, Nut. So she's going up with it. We're good there. All right. Now, we've spent probably four or five weeks now talking about the Word of God. I would pray that through the time that we spent on the Word of God that you would have a little bit of a deeper love for the book after that time. I hope it didn't raise a bunch of new questions. And so are we playing musical chairs tonight? That would be, a, wouldn't that be fun with the whole church to do a musical chairs? And we just music and everyone everyone had to move to a different chair you couldn't sit in your normal spot and then you had to find a chair when the music stopped that would be kind of fun to see some of you are like no after some of the pizza and ice cream some of you just ate you need that you need that exercise tonight and so thanks a lot ron i normally don't eat before church and i had to have a piece of pizza there he brought pizza tonight and then but i was good manny i don't know what it is and maybe it's just the kid in me i love sprinkles sprinkles are my thing i could even just take a bottle of sprinkles and drink some sprinkles do you doubt me uh, they're good it, isn't it true it's true if we if we go to if we get frozen yogurt or something i put i put sprinkles that's it nothing else and there are some people sprinkles don't even take there is a flavor to sprinkles there is and they're good they're an awesome thing and probably they're not good for you i know that but i like sprinkles and Everyone has their thing. Maybe, you know, maybe beer's your thing. You probably should cut back on that one, and I should probably cut back on my sprinkles. But, you know, that just sounds weird. Like, pastors got an addiction to sprinkles. They don't stay in our house very long. We'll put it that way, right? Isn't that true? That's true. So, I, I, the spirit was willing to stay clear of those night, but the flesh really wanted the sprinkles tonight. And just a little ice cream with sprinkles all over it would have been just right. But I didn't do that, so... Anyways, I hope that over the past several weeks that as we've looked at the Word of God and what inspiration means, how the Bible's preserved, the fact that how, we, how the canon of Scripture, how man discovered what God already had figured out, I hope that that helped you with the Word of God. But this is the thing. It means nothing to have a bunch of knowledge and to do nothing with your knowledge. This world is full of a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge that do nothing with that knowledge. There's no point in having knowledge unless it's applied, in my eyes. And that's what it comes down to. That. I think the Bible's clear on that one. You know, if we were to take the time, and tonight's not a study, I love the book of Proverbs. And if you haven't studied the book of Proverbs much, I love it. And as I mentioned before, it's not one of those that you look at it and say, this is an absolute promise from God. It's a wise way to live your life. Now, this is the thing. We enter into this world really knowing nothing. We're very simple. We don't realize things. But the longer you live, the more time you spend time in the Word of God, you gain knowledge. Now, what you do with the knowledge that you gain decides if you're going to be a wise person or a foolish person. That's the thing. At the end of the day, we all start our life simple. Then we receive knowledge. If you receive that knowledge, you can become wise. 
And wisdom leads to being prudent. And I could take you on a study there. But the other way is you gain wisdom, or you gain knowledge and you do nothing with it, you can become a fool. And a fool turns later on into a scorner if you're not careful. Because you refuse that knowledge and it leads down the wrong path. So when it comes to the Word of God, in all reality it means you can have all the knowledge and have inspiration figured out and what God breathed means and the fact that the Word of God's preserved. You can have all that figured out. But if you don't ever pick up the book and read it, what's the point? And like I hear people argue all the time about this version and that version. They go crazy on all that stuff, and yet they never pick it up and ever read it. I would just love you to pick up the Word of God and read it. That would, you want to know what will change your life? The Word of God will. You need the Word of God in your life. And so tonight, as I am going to end my talking about the Word of God for now, I want to talk about being a student of the Word or studying the Word of God. Now, I'm not going to go into all the detail of it because there's a lot. I just hope that you would just, after this study we've done on it, that you say, the Bible's so amazing, I need it more in my life. If that's what you get through the study, I'm happy. I don't care. You can say, Pastor, you're a terrible teacher. I'll join you in that one. I say, some of those big words make no sense. I agree with that. I don't know why people use big words. To make themselves look smart, that's why people use big words. And so I like the, a game that my children have. And it's called, what's the name of it about the Neanderthal? Poetry for Neanderthals. And you literally have this bat that's, you know, this um, blow-up bat, and you can only use one-syllable words. And if you use more than one-syllable words, you get hit with the bat on the head. Because that's what ne- Neanderthal would do. I like it. That's, that's my type of thing. One-syllable words are great. So as we look here tonight and we talk about the Word of God and studying the Bible, first of all, I want you to understand something, that there are three classes of people in this world. Number one, there are three classes of people in this world. And we're going to talk about them tonight as we dive into our notes. Letter A, you have the natural man. And this would be an unsaved person. So if you want to say a natural woman, natural man, mankind here. This is the unsaved man. This is where we enter into life. And when we look at this, when you enter into life, the natural man is spiritually blind. You remember how it, when, the, when it talked about there in the, um, in the garden, and Eve and Satan were talking there. And, sh- and remember, she said that if we eat this, we're going to die. And Satan basically said, you're not going to really die. Is, are you really going to die? Is God going to do that? And you've got to understand, that day physically, did they die in that moment? No, not physically. The aging process began, and you can thank Adam and Eve for the wrinkles you have and all of that today. You can, I can go to them. But spiritually that day, they died. Spiritually, we enter into this life dead. The natural man, the unsaved man, is spiritually blind, and our understanding is darkened. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, at the end of the day, 
I, I, will give, I give our governor a hard time. And he deserves to have a hard time. He thinks a little too much of himself. But we'll leave that there. But I don't expect... Now, if he's a saved man, and at the end of the day, I don't know someone's heart. If he's a saved man, then it's absolutely mind-boggling to me how he could put verses up on billboards in other states promoting abortion here, but quoting Scripture. But I, if he's not saved, he's not going to get it. It will not make sense to him. Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. A natural man, an unsaved man, doesn't get it. They can't know it. They don't understand it because the, nat- the things of the Word of God, the things of God, they're spiritually discerned. And if you're spiritually dead, you can't spiritually discern anything. That's why when you get convicted of your need for salvation, the grace and the faith that God gives those gifts, it's a work of God that he does in us. But as we look here, this is the natural man. The Bible tells us about this natural man in Ephesians 4, verse number 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. That's why sometimes, church, we look at this world and we say that it's, it's so corrupt, it's so wicked, and people are just disgusting what they do. Jesus saw them a different way, didn't he? He was moved with compassion. The world doesn't get it, and we shouldn't expect them to get it. Because a natural man will not get it. That's one class of person. Second class I want to talk about tonight is the carnal man. The carnal man, this is a believer who is being controlled by the old nature. Now, remember, when you get saved, you don't magically never sin again. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome to never, to never do a bad thing ever again once you get saved? And someday that's going to be that way when we get to be with the Lord, right? This corruption will put on incorruption. So there will be a day where Brian doesn't sin ever again. But as long as I live in this life and I have this flesh, my old man's going to follow me everywhere I go. He's always there. And the carnal man, look what the Bible says. And when we talk about the carnal man, that's the one who is controlled by the old nature. It's that Christian that never grows. Look at what it says. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, 2. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hereto you are not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. And there are carnal men out there, men and ladies. We all have it in us to be carnal. So don't look tonight and look at someone that's carnal, and there are carnal Christians amongst us. And at one minute, that could be us. Don't look and be too hard on them because one minute it could be you there. That's why it talks about ye that are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, realizing it could be you that are overtaken in a fault. 
And so that carnal man, it's a real thing. And so you have the natural man, that's the unsaved one, but the carnal man, he's got the Spirit of God in there. And yet, because the carnality and the living for the flesh, the Spirit doesn't strive and flow like it should, which leads to the third type of man, the spiritual man. This is what we long to be. I hope this is what you would long to be. I want to be spiritual. The Bible talks about the spiritual, and you think about this, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So being, being saved, you have the spirit of God to know these things. Now if you go down to a few verses from there in verse number 15, 16, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And so as we look here tonight, and as we talk about studying the word of God, I want you to understand something. The natural man cannot study the word of God and get it. They can try, but they won't get it. May I help you a little bit further? A carnal Christian can only grow so much without the carnality getting fixed. There is a limit. You can't get past the beginning stages. We could go to the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about those who should be teachers. But instead of them being teachers, they go back and they got to be taught the first oracles of God all over again. And so carnality and the carnal man cannot study God's word like you should. You need to be a spiritual man. And being saved, you have it in you. But this is the thing. When I have, remember how I studied 1 Peter on Sunday mornings? Remember how I talked about as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby? It said the verse before that, you got to put away the evil speaking, the malice. You got to put away the carnality to grow in the word. It's amazing how that works and what the Bible says. And so we look at this tonight. I'm talking about the spiritual man tonight as we talk about studying the Word of God. Now as we talk about studying the Word of God, let's see what the Bible has to say about it. Number two tonight, Roman numeral number two, we see there's a command to study. Now, what is the command to study? There are several verses, and this is what someone, this is what people say. Pastor, there's only one verse in the Bible that talks about studying the Word of God. And it says it in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it says to study. Okay, there you go. So is that the only place that says it? But do you know there are lots of encouragements and even exhortations to read God's word, to memorize it, to meditate on it, to obey it. And so as we talk about this, let's go, and I know some of you don't like going, did you know the Old Testament is in the Bible? It is. Did you know that? It is part of the Bible. It's part of the canon of Scripture. We talked about that last week. So letter A, let's look at the Old Testament. 
what God had to say to his children when it came to his word. Number one, we see that God's people were commanded to teach the scriptures. Well, you say, where does it say that? Deuteronomy chapter number 4, verse 1 and 2 says, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the words which I give unto you, neither shall ye diminish aught from them, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Look at the next verses there, down to verse number 9. Only take heed to thyself, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest thy heart depart, or lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. Look what it says. But teach them. Teach them to thy sons and to thy sons' sons. Hey, what you've learned, God's law that Moses was giving, you need to, so it isn't forgotten in your family, you need to pass that on to your children and on to your grandchildren. That's what it's saying right there. So we see that God's people were told to teach the scriptures. And did they have the whole Bible? Like, they didn't. But they had the law from God. Number two, we see that God's people were commanded to publicly read the scriptures. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 10 through 13, and Moses commanded them saying, at the end of every seven years in the solemnity of the year, of release in the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel has come to appear before the Lord thy God in their hearing, gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gate, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. And unto their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as ye live in the land, whether ye go over Jordan to possess it. Number three, God's people were commanded to cherish the word of God, or the scriptures, God's law. Deuteronomy um, chapter 31, verse 24 to 26, it says, and it, and it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of the law in the book until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God that may be there for a witness against thee. They were to take care of it, putting it in a special spot. Being in the desert and things, that was probably a good idea to put it away, right? I think that was a good idea there. Number four, we see that Israel's kings were commanded to read the scriptures. They just didn't have to put their hand on and say that they, um, so help me God to do what the, you know, a lot of people do that today, right? They put their hand on the Bible. But Israel's kings were commanded to read the scriptures. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 18 through 20. And it would have, it would have, done, uh, it would have done Solomon a lot more good in his life. If he, maybe he, he probably did read it, but he probably should have lived it and not married too many wives. I think it talks about that there. But anyways, 
And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of the which is before the priests and the Levites. And it shall be um, with him and he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God to keep all the words of the law and these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in the kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. And it was God's plan for the kings of Israel to read the scriptures. Why? So that their hearts wouldn't get lifted up with pride. Next, next, number five. Joshua was commanded to study the scriptures. And when we look at that and we think about those things, the Bible tells us in Joshua 1, verse number eight, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written in the law. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And we could look at more of what God told Joshua, but God told Joshua, be courageous, be strong, be courageous. He needed the Word of God. And the Word of God was important. We see, number six, the fact that God's people are revived through the reading of Scripture. God's people are revived. Now we could go through and read in Second Chronicles chapter 34. There's some verses there. How about Nehemiah? The book of Ezra has some times. And I want, we will not have a revival take place without prayer and scripture. We will not. And I know we hear people, revive us again. Oh, we need a revival. We do. God's people need a revival today. But we're never going to get a revival if we don't get back in this book. Never. We need to be in the book. But God's people are revived through the reading of scripture. Number seven. God's people are guarded from sin by memorizing Scripture. The Bible tells us in Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How is a young man going to get things cleaned up in his life? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And church, one of the problems we have today is we get the word here. Like our kids in our Christian school, if they have a test over some Bible verses, they get it here so they can quote it for a, for a test. And I understand that. Any of you ever do that before? You had to make sure you had the knowledge here to pass a test. Then after that, it, who knows what happens to it. The Word of God needs to be here. And the Word of God will convict you and help you live the life you should live. And I'm going to encourage you again tonight, if there's areas in your life, I say if, let's put it this way, whatever areas you are struggling with in your life tonight, I encourage you to memorize Scripture around that area, and it will help you. I promise you that. You're never going to look back and God's going to say, hey, Brian, you just spent too much time studying my word. You hid a little too much of it in your heart. You should have put other stuff. That's never going to happen. We need the word of God. When we see in the Old Testament, this is what it says. And this is what God told his people. 
we see in the New Testament, so those of you that were in the New Testament, so we're only going to talk about the New Testament. The whole, you gotta be, I know you've got to be careful. Sometimes people get carried away with their Old Testament theology on certain things. But in the New Testament, the Bible says some things about, well, and Jesus said some things. First of all, number one, in the New Testament, we see that the Scriptures are to be known. You say, well, who said that? Jesus did. Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. Jesus answered and said to them, Ye do err not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. We know he is speaking to the Pharisees there. But where did they err? Not knowing the Scripture. The Scriptures need to be known. Number two, the Scriptures need to be searched. Do you search the Scriptures? This is what Jesus said. Search the Scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. On Monday night when I went, or Monday afternoon when I went to that house, and I was trying to explain all about salvation, do you know what I did? They had a Bible saying there that they literally bought that day. And the pages didn't flip very easy. And probably wouldn't have been a version I would have preferred. But I sat there. And for 15 minutes, I didn't lecture her about what Brian had to say about salvation. I just showed her Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse. That's what you need. Someone a couple weeks ago, they had an area in their life that they're really struggling in. And they've come to me for months about this topic. And just a couple weeks ago, they came back to me like, Pastor, you knew all along what my issue was. Yeah. Why didn't you just straighten me up? I pointed him to this. I don't need to straighten anybody up. Because the Word of God, it's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It knows and takes care of everything you just need the book search the scriptures we're to search number three the scriptures are to be compared we should compare scripture with scripture and that's an important thing to do and that's where some people get in big trouble some people and the bible tells us in first corinthians 2 verse number 13 which things also we speak not in the words which which man's wisdom teacheth but what the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And I would compare, this Word of God, it needs to be, sometimes, I've seen too many people make a doctrine out of one verse that has no business making a doctrine out of one verse. Compare Scripture with Scripture. Scripture should be compared next. Scripture should be obeyed. We should do what it says. The Bible tells us in James 1.22, it says, be, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written there, and they'll obey it. For the time is at hand. In the New Testament, we see the scriptures are to be known, they're to be searched, they're to be compared, they're to be obeyed. And lastly, number five, we see that they are to be applied. They're to be applied. 
Bible tells us in Acts 20, verse 32, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. The Bible tells us in Colossians 3.16 to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I think that you can see between the Old and New Testament that God's word needs to be handled and looked at by every generation and every group of people. So if we're going to talk about tonight, and we're, we're almost done, we're moving right along, and you guys, these kids are doing good tonight. Good job for me. I want to get to number three, and we're, we're getting there. Number three, I want to look at preparing to study God's Word. This is what happens a lot of times. It's in every area of life. Let's use marriage for an example. Very few people prepare for the marriage. They might prepare for the wedding and all the flowers and uh, all the what color everybody wears, the, if you're going to have a meal afterwards, all that stuff. A lot of planning goes into an event that lasts an hour or two. And they spend very little time preparing for what really matters. When you leave the church and the honeymoon begins, and you realize... They don't think the way I think. They're different than me. Yeah. How you prepare matters. The older I'm getting, I'm realizing that in my own life. I, I, I will work out now and I go to the gym or like today I ran five miles. It used to be back in the day that I literally could just go out and do whatever. Like, I'll sometimes go with Joe to the gym and play basketball. And it used to be I could play basketball for a while, and in high school I could sit on the bench for like 15 minutes, and I'd go right back into the game and be totally fine. It doesn't work that way now. Literally, if I, if we, if I lose playing basketball and I'm sitting out a game, when the next game is like, because so, you score, the games are to 13. When the team gets to seven points, I'm standing and standing up, I'm taking and stretching out my calves just a little bit. I'm stretching my legs out because I have to warm up to go back out. It's not like how it used to be that I could just go, 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 go. And then I don't know what I'm going to do when I get to be some of your ages in this room. But anyways, you probably have to, you probably have to warm up and stretch to even get out of bed. I'm pretty sure that's going to be my next step. But anyways... <laughs> Then you got to stretch to get to the walker. It's, it all plays into it. But if you're going to study God's word, we can talk all day about the nuts and bolts of studying it. I want to talk to you about preparing to study first, okay? First of all, letter A, and I hate even talking this way. You need a right relationship with God. Now, people will use this thing, are you right with God? Are you right with God? Let me help you tonight. If you're a child of God, you're right with God. Not because of you, but because of Jesus Christ. So you're right with God. Now, could there be some things in your life hindering your growth? Your carnality? Yes. We've talked about that, right? 
But I want you to understand, I, I do not like, but when we talk about this right relationship, what I'm talking about is, if you're going to study the Word of God, you need to be saved. That's what I'm talking about. So if you're a child of God, you're, you've got this one down to study. That's where it begins. It begins with being saved and then not being carnal, which we've talked a little bit about tonight. And we know the verses, the Bible makes it clear, the fact that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said these words. We read how you cannot know the mind of God. We, when you're saved, you have the mind of Christ. The natural man doesn't get it. So it begins with a right relationship with God, being saved. Letter B. And if you're, hopefully no one's bored tonight as we talk about studying the word of God. Uh, wouldn't that be, you take all the time in the world to create an amazing book like God did for us, and then you're bored learning more about But anyways, we'll leave that out. Let's keep on going. Letter B. Letter B. We're moving along. You need the right reliance upon the Holy Spirit. If you're, to prepare to study, you need to, guess, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So I think the Holy Spirit plays an important part in us understanding the Word, Right? Before, you think about, there's so many verses I could give you. But I'll just give you, I'll just give you a couple. So 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 12, the Bible says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Do you see how you can know these things because of the Spirit that's been given to us? John 14, 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. You see that? And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Do you see how the Holy Spirit, he'll teach you and he'll bring to remembrance those things? Well, not, you can hide God's word in your heart, but you've got the Holy Spirit in there to remind you of it. What a blessing that is. And so as we think about this, you've got to rely upon the Holy Spirit. Every time I go to the Word of God, from Psalm 119, I pray this verse, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. God, it's your Word. Spirit of God, you dwell in me. Show me something from this book today. Not only do you need a right relationship and a right reliance, but you need a right respect for the Word of God. So what do you mean by having a right respect for the Word of God? Well, that comes down to number one for what it is. What is the Bible? It is from God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. This book is from God. These are God's words to man. There is no book anywhere like this book. This is the book. No book comes close. Respect it for what it is. It's God's book. I've heard so many people, men wrote the Bible. Man's the instrument God used to give us his word. So respect it for what it is. It's God's word for us, right? God gave us this book, and the Bible tells us, 1 John 5, 13, I turned to this verse the other day, that lady, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. That's why the Bible was written to us. So it is God's book for me. Number two, having a right respect involves for what it says. 
for what the Word of God says? Do you let the Word of God, hey, is it that sort of thing where, hey, speak, Lord, your servant hears. Or hear God, listen to me. Speak, Lord. Those words have life in them. Sing them over against to me. Wonderful words of life. For what it says, number three, for what it gives. You don't realize what the Word of God does for you. Because if we did, we would spend more time reading and spending time in it than we would watching a Laker game. Because what does the Laker game do most of the times? It gets me mad at the refs. Gives me a bad attitude when my team loses. That's what sports does. I like to watch my sports. But the Word of God, it gives us so much. It gives us instruction. It gives us inspiration. It gives us so much. And then also, number four, for what it does in our lives. Anybody, we're almost done here, but can someone think of something that the Word of God does in your life? Convicts? It produces faith in your life, right? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Michael, what were you going to say? Leads you in the right path. It helps you grow. You will not grow in your Christian life if you're not in the book. I, and if you're watching online tonight or you're here in the service tonight, please quit telling me how much you're growing in your Christian walk when you never read God's Word. That's the biggest lie in the world. I hear people all the time. I heard it earlier. I'm growing and I'm doing great in my Christian walk. I don't need to go to church and I don't need those things. That tells me right there, you're not growing. That sounds very carnal to me. So just watch it. The Word of God, you need it. And so, as w- so this is, as I said, if you're going to prepare to study God's Word, you've got to be saved. You need to rely upon the Holy Spirit and you need to respect the Bible for what it is. And with that all being said, number four and lastly tonight, I'm going to give you an approach in studying God's Word. Now, this is the thing. You might say, well, Pastor, I've been studying God's Word longer than you've been alive. Wonderful. Keep studying it. I don't care how you study it. Do it. It's like sometimes I'll talk to people. The, the way I pray, I run our prayer meeting very similar on, at 515. I run it the same as I pray in my own life. I adore the Lord. I go to Him in thanksgiving. I bring my requests to Him. That's the way I pray. Some people talk about, you know, and oh, actually, sorry, let me reverse that. I start out with confession. Then I adore. Then I give thanksgiving. And then I bring my request. That's the way I do it. Some people call, and some people have different approaches. Like some people like the Acts approach. Adoration, confession, whatever, A-C-T-S, yeah, you can figure. Supplication, T is thanksgiving. But I, I, I like cats better than I like acts because I like to make sure, not, not really, I don't really like cats, but I like, the, I like the, uh, that word better because I like to start with confession. I like to go before God and say, hey, search me. Try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. Help me. Work on me. Show me where I need to get better. And then I go before him. 
approach and study. Maybe this will help you. Maybe it won't. On this is what I do before I ever start reading the Bible or anything. I pray. I pray. I do not read the Bible. I do not listen to it. I don't read a devotional. I don't do any of those things. Like all the Bible reading we do at church right now and the different groups I'm doing it with, I do not start reading, period, till I pray. Do I pray for 10 minutes? Do I pray for one minute? Normally it's about a minute or two, not very long. And I've mentioned it already, Psalm 119, verse 18. The Bible says, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Lord, help me get something from your book today. What's the point in reading it? So you can check off a little box on your Bible reading chart? If the only reason you're reading your Bible is to check off your little box, that's ridiculous. I read it to get something from it. And you say, do you always get something from God's word? I wish I always did. Is there something always available in God's word? There's always stuff available. I'm the problem when I don't get something. And is, maybe you're like me. Does it ever seem like the distractions really hit when you're trying to read? When's the last time you asked the Lord to remove the distractions before you read? And then you set your phone in the other room. Stupid, the watch goes off. Take the watch off too. You're like, I want those calories. Those calories I burn while I pray. Maybe you burn a lot of calories when you pray. I don't know. Whoa, that could have been bad right there. That would have been a nice moment for you to remember. Pastor Falls breaks his ankle. Talking about, then the exercise goes out the window then too. But pray. Martin Luther said like this. To pray well is to study well. I think that's a good quote. To pray well is to study well. If you're going to study the Word of God and how to approach it, pray. Young people in the room, those, a lot of you in this room, you go to our Christian school. I know if you're in Brother McKee's class, you start out your day every day with 10 minutes of Bible reading. I would encourage you before you open up that Bible tomorrow morning, when you're, or tomorrow's a field trip, so next time you're sitting at your desk and you're sitting there, pray before you read. Ask God to help you get something. Number two, read it. Read it. Man, one of, uh, I was just hearing someone talk a while back about J. Frank Norris. He was quite a wild preacher. He had some crazy things about him. He was a Baptist preacher in Texas. But probably my favorite J. Frank Norris quote. Are you ready for it? This is good right here, okay? There are three main methods of mastering the content of the Bible. The first thing is to read the scriptures. Secondly, you need to read the scriptures. And thirdly, you just need to read the scriptures. It's a good quote right there. That sounds like something I would quote. That would be one of my quotes right there. Pretty basic, pretty simple. Not much to it. But read it. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 4, verse number 13, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Read the Word of God. That's why I've encouraged a lot of you, and you do that Bible reading app with me. Great, wonderful. But if you're sitting here tonight, and you're not a part of a Bible reading group in our church, get, I can send you the link tonight. You can start tonight. Read the Word of God. You say, I'm a terrible reader. You can hit a button and it reads it to you. That's, how, that's amazing technology right there. 
Say, I just can't read. You can just sit there and let it read to you. Now you could play it all the time and live your life and never get it. No, you need to pay attention when you do it. But read it. Read the Word of God. Get a Bible reading plan. And I love it. There's a lady in our church when I started at the beginning of this year, and she said, Pastor, I'm not going to be able to read a chapter a day. I know myself. Can we start with one verse? I started a Bible reading program with her with one verse. And guess what? It ended yesterday. So we started a new one today. I'm waiting for her to comment, but there were seven verses today. Say, did you tell her? No. But every day for the past month, she read that one verse. But I gave her a long devotional. I have some thinking in this brain every once in a while. The devotional is super short now, and now there's more verses. It'll take the same amount of time, but it's more Bible than what it was before. We need the Word of God. Read it. Do you know you could read the entire Bible out loud in about 70 hours? 70 hours. said, that's a long time. Now, if you were to take the average sports game last three hours, so you're looking at about 20 games, 25. Russ, you watch way more baseball than that. But anyways... It takes 18 hours to read the New Testament. And that's slow reading. Read it. Pray. Read. Are you ready for the next one? Number three, meditate. 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 We read earlier in the book of Joshua to meditate on it day and night. And the Bible talks about in um, Psalm 1, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Meditate on it. I'm going I'm to give you a little secret. Do you know, I had someone just ask me this last week. Like, your preaching has changed a lot from how it used to be. Who taught you to preach the way you preach? You know this Bible study method right here to pray, read, meditate? That's what I do. I literally take a passage of Scripture. We're in Second Peter now. This is all I do. I pray. I read it over and 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 over. And then I just chew on it and chew on it and chew on it. My sermon for Sunday, Sunday night's going to be a different message now since we're going to have family time, so i got to work on that one a little bit more. But Sunday morning, the message was written and done yesterday. But I'll tell you this, by Sunday, it'll be a completely different message than what the points are. Why? Because I'm just chewing on it. Saturday night, I just chew on it. Sunday morning, I try to walk early before church, I'm just chewing on it. I'm thinking on it. And I think that, I think God does things like that on purpose. He probably, you probably, you know, some people think that pastors are these special people. No, in all reality, I think pastors are some of the biggest sinners in the world. And God wants them to actually have to study his word more than the average person does. Because you get a message for, an, for 40 minutes on a Sunday morning, I've spent 20 hours on that passage during the week. And there's a lot of conviction that comes in my heart. But you've got to meditate, spend time thinking on it. Take, and that used to be, I used to hear people say, get a 3x5 card. We don't use those, I know, nowadays. But back you would write it on a 3x5, write a verse. Think about that verse. 
You can, on your phone, put a verse there. Have something to meditate on. You can, there's, this world's grabbing your attention every which way it can. Meditate on something good. Meditate on the Word of God. Spend time with God's Word. And it's a, and this is the thing, meditation is a good thing, okay? I know we live in a world, and you know, I'm not talking about you sitting there with your legs crossed, or quiet. Most people can't function in quiet anymore. Meditating on God's Word's a good thing. It's a good thing to do. And you need God's Word. As we look at that, we're almost done here. Next thing you need to do, step number four, study it. You mean not only read it, but study it? Yeah, and meditate on it. Study it. Studying God's Word and reading it are two totally different things. But they are both needed. I would encourage you, let's say, let's say you're doing a Bible reading plan with me right now, and you, we're just in the book of Proverbs. Let's use Proverbs, because there's one I did with Proverbs. It's just getting ready to end. And you know, some of the people that did Proverbs, they, they agreed to do one month. They didn't know if they'd go past one month. Some of them did it for a month, but this new one is like three months long now. And it's Psalms. And so, you see, do you see how I'm just increasing it just a little bit? Just a little bit there. It'll be all right. But take one verse. Break it down. Say, I couldn't do that. I didn't go to Bible college. I went to Bible college. It didn't help me with that either. There are so many tools. Um, a, Bible, a Bible software I use that's free. If you're going to use it on your iPhones, you've got to pay like $2.99 for it. It's called eSword. It has a strongest concordance built into it. You literally could just click on the little numbers and it will tell you what the word means. Get yourself an old dictionary, a Webster's 1828. If you're using a King James Bible, you'd use a Webster's 1828. Don't use a new Webster's because it won't make sense with that. But if you're using that, use a Webster's 1828 and look up words. Because I'll tell you this, if you're, using, if you're using an older version of the Bible, if you're using the King James Version, most of the, a lot of the words there don't mean the same thing today. And so you think you know what they mean, but you really don't know what those words mean. So study it. Break it down. Something that I do, and this is just a little side note, and I know oh, we're, we should be done. We'll be done here in a second. So this Sunday's sermon, I'm in Second Peter chapter number 5, verse 5 through 8 is this week. I get a, I pull out, uh, and I, you can find it online in different places. I look it up in the Greek text. And I take some of the tools I have, and I write it out in English myself, and translate it from Greek to English based on what the words mean. You could use a strongest concordance, you could use other things. Say, well, why do you do that? Before I preach a passage, I translate it myself. Now, is my translating very good? No, it's not. But you look at the meaning of the words. It's just a good thing that I do. Study it. Take a verse and break it down. Say, I don't know how to do that. Come find me sometime. I'll show you how to do it. So you need to pray, read, meditate, study, and then guess what? Do it. Do what it says. Have you kind of noticed that this is kind of what happens in a sermon of mine? We read Scripture. We chew on a passage for a while. We break down some of the hard words. 
and then there's an application on how to do it. That's it. Now, if it was easy to do, everybody would do it. It's not that easy, but with the Spirit's help, you can do it. Father, thank you for the time you've had in your word. Help us to grow in our love for your word.